back to another week here at Mission Control for our Mission Control Astros podcast. Um, good to be with you again. Really a mixed week for the Astros. Uh, it was a homestand since we've last been with you. They won two out of three against San Diego. It's kind of funny. This, the homestand starts with um, Dusty uh, putting Maldonado back with um, Hunter Brown. That actually was like an hour after we published last Friday. Um, Dusty had some comments about how, you know, Hunter's been struggling lately. Him and Yiner haven't been able to get deep in games. So he's going to put Maldonado back with Hunter Brown. Uh, that was a very poor start for Hunter last Friday, but then we won two in a row um, against San Diego pretty convincingly um, on Saturday and Sunday. We saw, um, you know, some positive signs from a few different players. Michael Brantley looking pretty good since he's been back. We've got some good exit velocities out of Jose Abreu. Um you know, the San Diego series w was a lot of fun, just as the Rangers series had been. Um, for the most part, you know, team scored a bunch of runs, 12 runs on Sunday, uh, behind a pretty good start by J.P. France. Um, France did walk a bunch of guys, but he got through his innings and, and you know, had a comfortable lead. Um, then a, a disaster of a series for the most part. I mean, you, you can't lose a series at home to Oakland when you finally open up a two-game lead in the division in the loss column. But that's exactly what we did. We gave that lead back um, where I think we're now even in the loss column with the Rangers. Uh, from Valdez and Justin Verlander both taking losses. Um, interesting game Monday. Oakland uh, opened with Mason Miller for two innings their sort of best pitching prospect, at least near the majors, um, who's coming off of uh, being shut down for three months with elbow soreness. They used him as an opener for two innings. Then they went to uh, Waldachuk, the soft-tossing lefty. Astros got shut out completely. But series ends on a high note. Uh, Hunter Brown and the bullpen with eight and a third, no-hit innings um, in a 6-2 to two victory over Oakland. Uh, lots of good performers. The bats coming alive in general. Jordan Alvarez with the big blow um, on a three-run home run early in that game. And so a three-and-three three homestand. The AL West race is tight again. Um, Mariners and Rangers have finally stopped the bleeding. They had really done us a favor by, by scuffling quite a bit as we were treading water for a while to allow us to get back into first. But Rangers have won five straight now. Um, they are tied in the loss column, two back in the win column. So one back overall, Mariners game and a half back. Um, biggest topic right now, and we're hearing it um, from Chandler Rome last night, The Athletic, a lot of fans talking about it. With Hunter Brown's five no-hit innings last night, J.P. France looking very wobbly, uh, even though he got the win earlier in the weekend. Um, who's going to start game three of a playoff series, whether that be wild card or first round? is we've talked about on the show before we've identified it as a very big issue because if that's in the first series a wild card series it's for all the marbles game three only happens as a sudden death game in that round and even if you make it to the division series as a two seed that game three is on the road you know quite possibly tied one one it's a huge leverage game in that series they're all big of course so um, the conclusion from Chandler last night was that Hunter Brown 
Um, maybe putting himself back in the discussion to start that game. He called it a three-week audition. J.P. France is probably in the pole position there based on the consistency of his body of work. But Hunter gives you more upside because of the raw stuff. Um, and, of course, we can't totally dismiss Christian Javier, who you could argue might be the best blend of sort of upside and consistency, even if he's kind of shaky in both areas. Um, so let me bring in my co-host, Aiden Resnick, who, um, as you know, he writes for Pitcher List. He's very into the analytics of pitching in particular. And Aiden, in the past, we've said Hunter Brown is probably your upside play and the guy you'd want out there in game three. Is that how you're seeing it today after this past week? Yeah, 100%. It has to be Hunter Brown. Uh, I, I should clarify, Hunter Brown, two times for the order. Um, this is not really, honestly, much of a debate in my mind. I don't care if this is a do-or-die Game 3 of a wild card series or Game 3 of the ALDS, which thankfully is, seems more likely right now than it did uh, about a month ago. So, um, I mean, let's compare the options, right? So, Hunter Brown is someone who... The first time through the order has a uh, allows an opposing WOBA of 309, which is below league average. Great. Second time through the order, he allows an opposing WOBA of uh, 325, slightly above league average. Fine. If he's a basically a league average guy, second time through, fine. Third time, it jumps up to 388. So. Immediately, and keep in mind, there's some survivorship bias that sinks that down that we've talked about before. When you get to the third time through the order, you're probably pitching well and you're more likely to limit limit damage. But um, so the fact that it's up, you know, at like as is means that's probably, you know, even worse than we've even seen. So Hunter Brown cannot face the third time through the order, but that's fine. You can keep him the first two times through. Let's look at Christian Javier. Christian Javier, I can't stress this enough, almost... Definitely. And this is a very like, this is going to sound like a crazy take. Almost definitely should not be on the ALDS roster. And let me clarify what I mean by that. Because I'm not a complete anti-Christian Javier right now. Like, yes, sure, he's struggled a little bit. Sure, he's given up home runs. That's not my point. Christian Javier against left-handed pitching. 598 XFIP. He has a 534 FIP. A uh, 16.2 strikeout rate against, sorry, against left-handed hitters. 16.2 strikeout rate. That is terrible. You you don't want that anywhere near near a left-handed uh, left-handed uh, hitters. His 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 K minus BB rate against lefties is 6.7 percent. He is a complete liability against lefties. And let's look at their three most likely ALDS opponents: the Minnesota Twins, who their lineup consists of one, two, three, four lefties two switch hitters, and three righties. So if Javier's pitching, that's six lefties. The Texas Rangers, whose lineup consists of four lefties, three switch hitters, and two righties. So when Javier's pitching, seven lefties. And uh, the Mariners, whose lineup consists of four lefties, one switch hitter, and four righties. So best case scenario, you're facing four righties and five lefties. All three of those teams will put out lefty dominant lineups against Javier, who is a complete liability against lefties. So maybe you squeak him on the roster. If you have this, if you're facing the Mariners and they're fa they're hitting Julio Rodriguez, Teoscar Hernandez, Eugenio Suarez in a row, three righties, the only maybe three righties in their lineup, I guess maybe Ty France too. They're hitting those guys in a row. 
fine, you use Javier for an inning, but he's not going to be very useful. I'd much rather bring up just a lefty, like honestly, probably a Parker Mashinsky for one inning in that in that series, just if these teams are going to be so lefty heavy, because Christian Javier just cannot face lefties. So Javier is out of the running in the ILDS. If we face a pitcher down the road, or if, if lineup down the road, that's more righty heavy, by all means, I'd probably advocate for Javier to get a start. Javier has pitched pretty well against righties this year. Not exceptional, but but pretty well. Um, and so that t- takes Javier out of the running. Jose Arquiti, I think at this point, look, I've, I've in a recent episode advocated for Jose Arquiti as like, he's trying to make this change. He's not filling the zone as much. He's, he's, he's trying to adjust to what the adjustment that MLB hitters have made. Credit to him for that. The numbers aren't there. And if the numbers aren't there, kind of can't get a start. His, all of his ERA indicators this year are north of five, I believe. Not striking batters out at a very high rate. Hasn't even really, uh, yeah, hasn't really done much with this new chase rate or new uh, zone whiff rate. Um, so look, maybe he's getting unlucky, I guess, but none of the indicators suggest that. So um, Jose Arquiti can't start a playoff game. And so that leaves JP France. And the good news is that JP France and Christian Javier have uh, opposite splits. So JP France, so far at least, has actually been better against right uh, against lefties. He has a 409 FIP and a 399 XFIP against lefties, 534 FIP, 532 XFIP against righties. So good news is when you face these lefty-heavy lineups, you'd rather have JP France out there. So the very clear formula needs to be Fromber Verlander game one, game two. Probably doesn't really matter who starts which one. Then game three, Hunter Brown is your best option, but cut him out after two innings, and then game four, J.P. France. And what changes is if you do face a righty-heavy lineup where there aren't there is a team with not many lefties, then you can go Javier instead of France. But that needs to be the formula right now, and then you need to really rely on your bullpen in those latter two games. Yeah, and I would just point out that Parker Mushinsky was sent back to AAA um, today. Um, I, I'm blanking on the name, but they called up a lefty who I believe is not playoff eligible because he joined the – organization after September 1st. Um, you can grab that for me here while I'm discussing it. So yeah, I don't, Sousa. yes, that's right. And Sousa joined the organization late, so he won't be eligible. So I think they're going in without a lefty entirely against these very lefty, obviously Fromber accepted, um, you know, but they're going to go in with hoping for the old reverse splits on guys like Phil Maton in, in spots like that out of the bullpen. Uh, against left-handed yeah. hitters. And this is this is just going to have to be a postseason where, barring blowouts, Presley, Neris, Abreu, every single game. If you lose because you're in the World Series and Brian Abreu is just a little bit fatigued, I can stomach that more than using Hunter Brown too long through the order or throwing Christian Javier out there against a, a string of lefties. That's not a recipe for success. There's a lot less like that's a lot less likely to lead to success than than uh, Brian Abreu. It's just spamming Brian Abreu because. Sure. My, I know Brian O'Brien has pitched a lot of innings this year, but he has shown zero signs of slowing down. So um, yeah, look, you, you, you roll know, with that. It, it, whether you're an analytics person or an old school person, I think there is some convergence around flags fly forever, right? Which is yeah. if you're there and you can win it, you win it. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you before we get off the pitchers, though. Let's say we do win the division, which we're you know significantly above 50-50 to do right now. Certainly not a lock, but a strong favorite. You, you go up two to one or you're down two to one, right? Those are the only ways a game four happens. Would you go Fromber on short rest before you'd throw JP France? 
knowing you, that you need Verlander short too. Although, actually, I don't know that. I think you can pitch 2-5 on regular rest now, right? The, yeah, the so way I'm off- looking at the schedule right now. Yeah. So game five would be on uh, October 13th. Game two would be on October uh, 8th. So four yeah. days rest. So that's a tough call. Um, if you're down, yes, because you need to win both games. Right. Like 100%, yes. Like not, not even a doubt in my mind. The only argument against it would be that you think JP France would outperform Fromber on short rest. And maybe, by the way, that's how they should decide their game one starter. I, that's probably something that's maybe a little more available to the inside than the outside. But whoever is willing to, you know, go on three days rest in game four, I don't know. I know Verlander did that. I mean, Verlander pitched six times in the 2019 postseason and kind of fell apart there. So yeah, I can't imagine it's my, him. I yeah, can't so it imagine it's him. Yeah. Um, but Fromber is also someone who you don't want, you know, things to tumble on. So I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, obviously a bad experience with Lance going on short rest in the 2021 LDS. Verlander, bad experience, him going on short rest in the 2019 LDS. Would like to avoid it, right? Would, would definitely like to avoid it. And like, honestly, maybe maybe I wake up tomorrow thinking that, you know, actually this is not the right strategy, which is why if you're up to one, I say you probably roll the dice and just go France. Because the other the reason I say that is, if you win game four with France, you start the next series in a great spot with Verlander right. and Fromber rested. Whereas you're not getting that spot anyway. If you're down 2-1, you're going to need Verlander or Fromber. I mean, and honestly. Here, using McCullers on short rest in 21, JV on short rest in 19, those guys didn't pitch again for like two years each. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you can link the injury to that one short rest appearance, but both guys were hurt when the next season started. Yeah. Honestly, maybe this is the way to go. And we'll, we won't talk about this for too long. Cause it'll France never game happen. One? <laughs> oh, oh, I was not saying that. No, no, no. That's a, yeah. that might, you might need to, that might be a tough sell, but in game four, bullpen game, you throw Presley, Abreu, Neris, those yeah. guys in game five, you pig, piggyback Verlander and Fromber. That's probably the right way to go. Both will be on full rest in game five. You could get five innings out of one, four innings out of another. You don't, touch the bullpen unless like it's uh Verlander can't make it out of the first and you're not going to have Fromber cover eight innings although if Verlander can't make it out of the first or if you're up six game. to nothing after four yeah, innings then, you probably yes. gamble you don't need both right right although I don't think Dusty's one to deviate from the pregame script and <laughs> I don't know if I want Dusty making quick judgment calls so if that's what we lose then so be it but um I think that has to be the strategy at this point I mean that's the way you get both of them in when they're both rested it's the way you don't right. compromise their health and game four, if game four, you you run Presley for an inning, Abreu for an inning, France for like three innings, uh, Neris for an inning, Montero, if he still looks like this for an inning, Graveman for, that's a, you're getting good pitching in that game. You got to feel good about that. You just can't keep France in for too long. That's the one like caveat to this. Yes, but. the thing is, you're still trusting Dusty. The problem with the yeah, bullpen. Yeah, it's not happening. Game, it's not happening. Right, right. The problem with any bullpen scenario or even a tandem scenario is you have to have a manager who can say, this guy looks great, but I'm taking him out. Yeah. As opposed to, and Dusty would inevitably be like, well, let's just ride it. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. looking at what AJ did in uh, in 2019 ALCS game six, he brought in, I mean, Ryan Presley, I know Ozuna was the closer. Ryan Presley was probably the best reliever on that team. And he pitched in the third inning because it was a basis loaded scenario and you were up like one or two runs. And that's like, that's, that's how you run a bullpen game. The bullpen game, you kind of need 
to use guys situationally a little bit more. Because, like, in a bullpen game, you know. 2017 World Series Game 7, when Lance goes two and a third and hits four guys and is useless, and he knew, like, I'm going to get a little Liriano, I'm going to get a little Peacock, a little Davinsky to get me to the point when I can just give it to Morton and be done for the last yeah. four innings. Dusty's not, not going to Dusty. Yeah, he's no. not taping it together like that. So, which is a huge, uh, which is a huge problem, by the way. That's not something that should be normal in 2023 when you have in, in Major League Baseball. Like, part of me just wants Dusty, uh, just wants an Astros raised Game Seven uh, to see just to see Dusty and Kevin Cash duel it out in a bowl. We already had it. We, I, I don't know. know if we I know. 2020, but yeah, yeah. We, yeah. I mean, 2020 was a. Uh, Kind of pretend that all of that didn't 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 even exist, but uh, no, I, I mean, agree yeah. though. I, I, you know, it's funny though. He might back into another ring here, which I hope he does. I'd love to win another yeah, ring. Yeah, yeah. But like, he, you look at Baltimore, and Baltimore's going to be fine long term. They've got a powerhouse, but they're like twelve games better than they should be with the roster they're yeah. rolling out there right now. So yeah, hundred percent. You could I mean, see. You could the see. The Astros are probably the best team in the AL. I think I would bet at this point that at that at this time in the season, the Astros World Series odds is very similar to what it was last year. I think I checked like FanDuel today; it was like plus five fifty, which is right, very very generous for what where they are because the competition is just not where it was before. I mean, last right, year they kind of under had the, the hood. Path. You look under the hood, and it's like you know what? If it's Fromber against Kyle Bradish in game one, we're probably going to win. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah, Kyle Bradish kind of has our number, but otherwise, yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, like, getting a Grayson Rodriguez and Flaherty. Yeah, and no, you feel good about it. Yeah. So, all right. We're, we'll go to fantasy. I mean, we'll have time before the playoffs start to have a lot of fun with that stuff. But for right now, let's get back into the short term here of we're very much not done in this division yet. And we have a tough series coming up um, with Seattle. Before that, though, we've got the Royals this weekend. I believe Zach Granke. Um, you know, this is it's Friday morning as you're listening to us here, and or probably Friday morning. Um, and so we've got Zach Granke um, later tonight. Um, we're going to see it's France, right? Is it France game one in the series? Uh, yeah. Oh, Javier, no, it's Javier. Oh no, Javier, Javier, Javier than France. Yeah, it's Javier. That's right. So, um, yeah. You know, I mean, w- one thing I noticed just quickly is that. I don't think – I mean, they, there could be some reordering, but if the Astros just went with the same five in order, I think you get – I mean, you get uh, Fromber on Sunday, which means that Fromber starts next Saturday uh, hosting Kansas City, and Verlander starts next Sunday. Right now, as is, Verlander and Fromber are, are lined up to miss the Seattle series, which means you probably want either a reconfiguration using those off days to your advantage or – uh, and a Jose Arquiti spot start or, or both where you, I, I, I look, hopefully we're four games up then. And you don't really care about the Seattle series, but like you want Verlander and Fromberg starting those games. That's not, those are not games. You just feel great. I mean, Seattle just destroyed us last time. Like, yeah. And, and I, I don't know if Fromberg started a game there, but you, you want him, them starting those games. So I'd like to see a reconfiguration, but yes, as of now, we currently have Javier on Friday and, uh, and uh, uh, France on Saturday. Yeah, and, you know, look, with every Thursday off, um, you have a little wiggle room here with whether you skip somebody, and then if you want to really stretch it out, you give a guy a full week by just putting your key in once. So I'd like to think that both guys end up in that series. But, okay, so the Royals, you know, believe it or not, they have a worse record than Oakland now. I didn't even realize. How does that happen? I mean, they're supposed to be I mean, Oakland's offense is is respectable. I think we saw a little bit of it. 
one of my uh, one of my best friends from college is a big A's fan, so I I'm a little too familiar for, with that team given how irrelevant they are. But uh, Oakland's offense is they have some guys who hit. Ryan Noda hits. Zach Geloff hits. Um, and then you got some. I mean, Rooker very been very streaky, but he's hit at times. Um, like even Tony Kemp did a little damage. Like they they have they can string together some offense. Their big issue has been pitching this year. Although I think Mason Miller will. There are a lot. Of, I know a lot of smart people out there who call Mason Miller the best pitching prospect in baseball if he still counts as that. So there, there are worse guys to get mowed down by in two innings. Uh, but 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 yeah, Oakland Oakland surprises some people. I agree. Kansas City has a more talented roster, but they also have some pretty big pitching issues. Yeah, I mean, uh, if they don't hit the Granky is out there with absolutely nothing. Which I mean, God bless him. He's hilarious yeah, to watch. Love Granky. But you, you would have to think that tomorrow night we're going to do some damage. So, or tonight, as you're listening. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think division-wise right now, the Rangers, who are tied in the loss column, we have the tie break with. You're kind of in this weird spot, right? Because there's these seven games remaining head-to-head between Seattle and Texas. And if we're all bunched up like this, it puts a lot of pressure on the Astros. And in the Baltimore series they've got still coming up, that last weekend, Arizona's going to be in it. Like, Arizona's going to have a chance at a wild card. They're going to need to win those games very desperately, the final three games of the season in Arizona. So you'd hate to be in a situation where you need Texas and Seattle to kind of be 4-3 one way yeah. or the other. I mean, someone's going to get hot and mow the other one down, and you'd like yeah. to have a little cushion. If I told you right now that, that one team won all seven games, the Astros are probably not winning the division. Like it, yeah, there is there is a component one. to this. Yeah, there is a component to this that does it like like it's just they don't care about who's better. They just need no one to be better. Like like exactly. It's, it's I mean maybe we're in a different spot then, but right now, yeah, those head to head games are not good for the Astros. Now you get a case where you are going to be basically rooting tomorrow for whoever lost last night <laughs> like the kind, right. of kind of thing if you're three games ahead of both of them you love that they're head to head it's like whatever if you're a half game a game up it's awful. you can't make up ground ever somebody's yeah. always staying with you every game you so, gotta you gotta pace whoever does well in that series and that's not easy because it could be like really a not six, yeah because that by that time and we have seattle right in the middle um it's not, uh, not you know, so, and no just to reiterate what i've said before winning the division is so important it's so important to avoid that coin flip series. Sure, the Astros could feel, be in a good spot against against Tampa Bay in a three game series if Tampa Bay's pitching is falling apart and whatever. Like, sure, they they could be fine. You you want to avoid that series. You could be playing Oakland in that series, and as anything can happen in a two or three series, as we just saw, you lose with both Verlander and Framber on the mound against maybe the worst team in baseball. Like, yeah. So in best uh, case scenario, that. best case scenario, you survive that series. And you got to like go to Baltimore, the one seed probably, or Tampa, with, with Christian Javier starting game one against a bunch of lefties because you have yeah. nobody else to pitch the game. It's bad. You need to win the division. Like it, it Yeah, needs, so it absolutely. Fun. Winning the division is very important. With that in mind here, um, let's talk a little bit about the playing time situation. We've talked about the pitching and the need to match up. But we also see a ton of right-handed starters. We're going to see two out of three this weekend, although Cole Raggins on Sunday. I don't know what happened with that trade, but yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> they traded. I mean, they picked up Chapman after they'd sent Raggins down to Triple A 
he was like a basically he was like their version of Brandon Bielak the first half of the season after being a prospect who they believed in. He's throwing 100, 101 miles an hour, and he's been the best pitcher in the American League for six weeks for the Royals. So they're going to see him on Saturday. Other than that, though, a lot of righties coming up. A lot. The other two pitchers in the Kansas City series will be righties. We've talked about it before. Baltimore is going to throw nothing but righties against them. Um, they're going to see righties from Seattle, nothing but righties from Seattle. So lineup-wise right now, as we feared, Yiner Diaz has been buried when he doesn't catch because Brantley plays against all right-handed pitchers when he's healthy. Abreu, um, although he just sat for Singleton yesterday, with that was with Yiner catching. Um, Yiner hasn't played first base since they activated Abreu. And I, I don't know how you win the division from here. I mean, obviously anything can happen. It's baseball. You can punt half a run a game and still win the division. Who knows? But it's a very difficult road if you're close with Texas and Seattle and you're throwing this lineup out there, Dubon in center, Maldonado behind the plate, Yiner nowhere to be found, four games out of seven. I mean, Dubon now, you know, is a semi-regular. That was the one thing in the lineup yesterday. I wasn't surprised. Look, Abreu went 0 for 7 the first two games of the series with Oakland. I mean, you may disagree. It's fine there if Yiner's already going to catch to give Abreu two days off back-to-back and throw Singleton in in the third game against Oakland. But no room for Chaz in that lineup. Myers in center. And Chaz isn't playing every day as it is. It's not like Abreu where he needs the blow. So... Um, you know, my personal thought on it, we'll get your thought here in a second. Diaz needs to DH, even if it is occasionally at Brantley's expense, since they're easing Brantley back to an extent anyway. But really, he needs to be at first base twice a week. I mean, you're not going to look, he's not going to catch Fromber or, or Verlander. He's just not going to do it. Okay. At least one of those two starts, they got to put him at first base. So thoughts on the lineup since Brantley came back and what they should do with Yiner and what they probably are going to do with Yiner. It's so bad. Uh, Dusty's has this on my team. Everybody plays quote as if that's a good thing in a division race. You need to play last year in the playoffs. He did not. Everybody played. Did Mauricio Dubon start a game in the playoffs last year? No. And last year they had bad room. I mean, Dubon was atrocious last year, so you didn't. You don't want that no matter what. But, I mean, they got no production, like zero production from DH. Like, like they had room to experiment, and not everybody played. How is this this different? I mean, <laughs> they're one game up. There's a very wide range of outcomes. This is kind of – this is go time. Like, this is objectively go time. If you don't think this is go time, that's a separate issue. And they're – I mean, there's – like, so if you look at starts since Brantley returned – Abreu started 12 games, Maldonado 9 games, Brantley 10 games, McCormick 8 games, Dubon 8 games, Yiner 8 games. That's too even. I don't even pick pick something. It's like I don't even – obviously I care. I'm not going to say I don't care who gets the time. Obviously Yiner deserves the time. Chaz deserves the time. Brantley deserves the time against righties. Abreu deserves some time. He's hit well for a while now, so he should not be completely relegated to a bench role. Um Dubon doesn't deserve the time. I mean, yeah, he could like Dubon hits lefties pretty well. Sure. Like center field defense is fine. It's probably the third best on the team. At least the second best. Myers is better, but fine. So 
like where does I mean Dusty just likes Dubon. I and I I don't know what what it is. I don't know if the fact that Dubon's friends with Dusty's son. I don't know if it's the fact that uh, Dubon is just a high batting average guy and Dusty Baker's just a. I mean that has to be it. Dust, Dusty Baker in a quote uh, in like middle of June called Dubon one of the better hitters on the team, which is just not true. It's just nowhere near true. But he has a high batting average. So if you look up on the scoreboard and they have everybody's batting average next to everybody's name, sure it'll look like Dubon's one of the better hitters on the team. He's not, but it'll look like that. Uh, so Dubon, I mean, started as many games as Chaz since Brantley's return, which is, by the way, why does Brantley's return even affect that? Brantley doesn't play center field. I know it like Chaz moves around and like Chaz played left where Dubon's a pretty much center only guy, but it shouldn't affect it. You just put that, that should be a pl- center field debate. So I'm so over that. I mean, Chaz is like, I'll check right now. Chaz this season just been unbelievable. He has a 140 WRC plus. There are two players on the Astros who you look at and you just look at their usage and their stats and it makes no sense. I mean, Chaz McCormick, you look at him compared to the other top center fielders in the league, right on par with them and playing like three fourths as much. Yiner Diaz taken out of the rookie of the year race. I mean, I think, and I will stand by this, that Yiner Diaz would be the favorite for rookie of the year if he played as much as he should. Um, So, Look, this is getting to the point where it's like, yeah, they'll win some games in spite of the lineup. Like, and it seemed like in those Texas games, you could throw out the worst nine hitters, but the, they'd still hit and they still put up ten runs. But you look at Yiner's. I mean, if you literally go to Baseball Reference, you go to Game Log, you go to or you go to Yiner Diaz's page, you go to Fielding Game Log just to see the games he starts at catchers. It's win, 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 loss, win, win, loss loss, win, win. Like, it's just mostly wins here, and he's just not getting... And this is not with the best pitchers either. Like, the team just wins more with Yiner there. It's so ridiculous. I mean, can we talk about how Dusty Baker got fully just humbled? I need Maldi in there to fix Hunter. Hunter goes up, throws six runs in five innings. Next start, Yiner catches five no-hit innings from him. Like, who does Dusty think he is? And who does Dusty think Maldi is to just, like, he needs, you know, he needs them there to, to get Hunter straight. Like, I mean, like, if that's not clear indication, I mean, this just speaks to the the point you've made this whole time. Yiner has not caught Verlander or Fromber because Dusty, deep down, absolutely knows. He is, I don't think Dusty's all that intelligent or whatever, but he is absolutely smart enough to know that if Yiner Diaz catches Fromber or Verlander. The most likely outcome is that they pitch well. Because guess what? They're good pitchers. And good pitchers don't really need a good catcher behind there. Justin Verlander had a, like a sub-3 ERI with Francisco Alvarez at 21 years old this year. Justin Verlander does not need that veteran who happens to be the second-worst defensive catcher in baseball. He does not need him. So the most likely outcome is that they pitch well. And then Dusty has nothing. Dusty has nothing. So what he's doing is he's just preventing fans from knowing. And if we can't know that they'll pitch well with Yiner, I mean, what if the 0.001% chance of, oh, Verlander and Fromber just have a mental breakdown on the mound because Yiner Diaz is just so capable of destroying the the mental uh, capacity of a Hall of Fame pitcher, one of the 20 best pitchers of all time at worst, right? So, I mean, he's just taking the benefit of maybe we don't know for a fact that they'd pitch well with Yiner and just running with that. So, super also, irresponsible. Oh, if I may, these guys have pitch calm now. They can yeah. just tell Yiner what they're going to throw. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm sure Yiner's fine with that. I mean, I'm sure it's, <laughs> at a certain point in his career, he needs to call stuff himself, but just just, just, just get his bat in the lineup. I he know. hits. Every game he hits. You just That's all he does. Like, sure, he's not a perfect hitter. Sure, he doesn't walk enough. Like, so be it. Whatever. 
He's also not a perfect I, I catch. Your framing's not great. There's two problems here. You've hit one on the head here, of course, which is the playing time is too even. There's too much Maldi. There's too much Dubon. But also, not only did he get humbled very badly by the Hunter Brown starts on each end of this homestand, let's talk about the pinch hitting decision the other night. They are down 5-2. to two. Now, you could argue you should have hit for Dubon as well because you had Brantley, Yiner, Singleton. You had anyone you might use against right-handed pitching available on the bench. They were all benched that night. So he probably should have gone Brantley for Dubon, then Yiner for Maldi. He lets Dubon hit for himself. He hits a double. Great. You, you, you take it. Now you've got a runner on second with one out in the bottom of the seventh. Verlander's done. He just threw his last pitch. He's done. So you're not going to have to have Yiner catch Verlander. God forbid. He lets Maldi hit for himself. It immediately is absurd. I mean, you, you look at it and you're thinking to yourself, it's five to two. Does he just think the game's over? This is the Oakland Athletics. It's five to two. So uh, after the game, Chandler asks him in the press conference. Chandler doesn't even tweet it out, probably because he doesn't want any abuse after his Chaz article. I just happened to find it. I don't know how, but I found like a video of like the the Spanish language, like embedded video tweet of the press conference that had the full press conference in it. And you find the question and Chandler asks him, you know, hey, five to two or, uh, you know, bottom of the seventh, any thought to hitting for Maldonado there with Dubon on second after the double? Perfectly valid question. Dusty just sort of very calmly loses it on Chandler by being like, you know, you can nitpick, you can nitpick, and that's all you do. But, um, you know, I made that call, and that wasn't what decided the game. That wasn't the game. So absolutely no no rationale provided whatsoever. And, you know, so I, I pull it, and I give, you know, it's like a couple hundred likes because it just immediately people are like, holy shit. But that to me is almost a bigger concern. You know, yeah, the first two plate appearances are valuable as well. But if you only let Maldonado hit in the third and the fifth, and then starting in the seventh and ninth inning when the starting pitcher's done anyway or close enough to it, if the leverage calls for it, he does not swing the bat after the fifth inning. That mitigates maybe half the damage of starting him at all because you can also kind of weigh it for leverage at that point in the game a little bit more. But we don't even get that. We, and this is something I talked about before, I think in the first or second episode, if you remember, there's this sort of like inertia bias to Dusty, right? This non-intervention bias where it's like, he asked Chandler, what was the score? It was five to two. What, what point are you proving there? That it was over? That that's like 10 to two? The tying run is on deck and it's the seventh inning. It's not even the ninth. The odds that... You know, I think someone said it, but if Yiner Diaz pinch hits and just hits a single there to knock in Dubon, you go from like 12 to 21% to win the yeah. game right there. Yeah, Tony Adams, I have the tweet pulled up right here. Tony yeah, Adams, go for it. great follow, by the way. Tony Adams, I think, is better than anybody on the app at calling out either fans or uh, Dusty specifically or just the organization's BS with just objective facts. I mean... He pulled. He pulled up a great clip of Dubon's lack of route efficiency to a ball the other day. Uh, when Dusty will claim that Dubon some 
you know, magical center fielder. He said here, if you, if Yiner gets a hit and you score a run, your win expectancy goes from about 13% to 21%, which if that's not a big enough difference, by the way, what is like, what, at what point are you going to say, okay, you need Yiner in there? Like, is it just the fact that you need to, you need a multi to catch another inning? Also, another thing is he did was he uh, showed that everybody was like, oh, Pena is now hitting second. Pena has been very good lately. In the last 30 games, Pena, I think has like a, 81 WRC plus hitting second and like a 153 WRC plus hitting between like seventh and ninth. So go follow Tony, like huge fan of what he does. He is honestly, if, if I, if I had uh, uh, as much uh, time as I would like for all of this, like, you know, I would do, I would want to do what uh, Tony does, but he probably is a lot more efficient with it than I would, uh, than I would. And by the way, Tony, Tony has sort of earned like dying out forever in Houston because he was the guy who first get sort of internet famous, for breaking down the bang scheme from 2017 to show that only like 2.2% of Altuve's plate appearances had a bang when other guys yeah. were in the 30s. I mean, yeah. Tony really, really helped Altuve's uh, uh, legacy. I mean, I, th- I think initially when that research came out, it was not very known that, I mean, people were aware of the, the, the research, but Altuve was known as a cheater. Like that, that was happening. I think now you got a lot of the national media coming out and saying, Jose Altuve actually didn't cheat. Here's the evidence of it. And now you also, I mean, I'm sure that also, you know, helps that some players have also testi- testified that. Um, but maybe Tony Adams could be a big reason that uh, Jose Altuve gets in the Hall of Fame one day, which is a pretty, that's not an insignificant accomplishment. So no, pretty I agree with And the, the other thing Tony's done, by the way, just to give him another quick shout out, Tony was on the Chaz wagon before anybody I know. I mean, I was even like, I think maybe like a year ago or two years ago, kind of wondering like, okay, Chaz can't be this good. I mean, I remember when Chaz got demoted last year when, uh, when I think or someone returned, maybe it was Pena returned from the IL and again, the Yankee series in June. Uh, or, and then Brantley oh, got no, when Myers, when Myers, Yeah, when Myers returned and then Brantley got hurt the next day and Chaz came yeah. up. I mean, Chaz was basically, Dusty basically said out of Myers, Siri, Dubon and uh, Chaz, Chaz is the last guy there. At that point, I was kind of like, I don't agree with this, but like, you're not losing much when you demote Chaz. Tony's been right the whole time. I mean, this is a huge year for Chaz, and so credit to Tony for that. And it's not he hasn't given up the fight because uh, now it's more egregious than ever. You could get away with uh, going with Myers over Chaz in, in in the last two years at certain points, but but this year you're finally getting the point where Tony knows it. Everybody should know it. Chaz needs to play every day. So credit. To yeah, him it's for funny because I think it, a lot of it was, frankly, once Click left the picture entirely this year, Tony got reinforcements from some of us because Dusty's errors became so glaring yeah. that it validated a lot of stuff that Tony was picking up before we were. Um, yeah. I mean, just on that note, this has been a managerial disaster class of the season for Dusty Baker. And I'm not even saying that it's cost the Astros too much. Look, they're a really talented team. They're going to be winning these games, no matter. Like you could have a, like a like a janitor at the at the helm, like like you know. You're, careful, you're, Aiden. You're, carefully, are, are you going to manage the team, Aiden? We, we got to get back to that debate. Yeah, yeah. That that that's a okay. That could be a debate for the other side. But the point is, they're going to win games. I don't know how many games Dusty has caught the Astros, cost the Astros, but this has been one of the most unprofessional managing jo- managing jobs you will find in baseball. This is a guy who's doing it his way. He's not doing it for the betterment of the organization. And when you have an organization that employs hundreds of people that all show up to work every day and give the organization their best to try to achieve a common goal, and you have one guy at the top who's doing things his way, who's saying, you know what, Jordan, I appreciate the work you put in to help this team win games, but guess what? I don't really care about winning games as much, or I don't actually care about putting our team in the best position to win games. 
because guess what? I mean, Dusty has the advantage of knowing that if the Astros win the World Series, like if the Astros were to win the World Series just in some alternate universe without Dusty Baker, they would probably still win it with Dusty Baker. I don't think the manager impact is that significant. I mean, maybe if they win the World Series because of some brilliant managerial decision that Dusty wouldn't do, fine. But most likely they would still win it because Dusty. So the ultimate claim is that if you simulate the season over and over again, they win it less because of Dusty. We'll never know that though, right? Dusty's going to manage four seasons here, hopefully not more. We don't know what their production would be without Dusty. So it's just kind of like, I mean, Dusty Baker's legacy is saved by the lack of knowledge we have of what the alternative would look like. Yeah, but to your point, though, where you say, like, there's there's hundreds of people in this organization, right, who are all trying to win. They're all invested. And this one guy's ego every day just decides, like, to throw out all their work, all of the yeah. analysts, all the coaches. That's why they're all leaking to Chandler. I hate to say it. Yeah, it is. Like, it is. The 100%. reason these articles exist is because – they they go to him off the record or anonymously, not necessarily off the record on some of the, like Chaz's weight and whatnot, but they go to him and they basically say like, we know, like we're aware that Yiner Diaz should have 550 plate appearances and not 380 or whatever. Like, they know. And yeah. so, you know, it, it is frustrating. And, but just to bring it back to the point here with the pinch hitting and, and not removing Maldi, to me, that's what I think is going to hurt us in a playoff series where I'm sure in the ninth inning, two outs, down one run, he'll trot Yiner out there to hit for Maldi, you know, against Munoz or Brash or whoever we're up against and just thoughts and prayers to Yiner at that point. But is he going to do it in the sixth inning of a tie game? No, no he's definitely not. not. Like I can so, say with 100% certainty now. Right. So I think that's kind of the point that we've been trying to make here is, yeah, you're right. You could simulate the season a hundred times, a thousand times, ten thousand times, and then you'd start to see the difference between Dusty and Espada or replacement level manager X show up. But we can't do that. So in the real world, we'll never know. Although, if in that other universe, like Yiner was World Series MVP because he hit like four home runs in the third inning, we, we know that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, so, I want I want a World Series win where Yiner Diaz hits goes like uh, 10 for 10 in the two, three games that he plays, but can't win World Series MVP because he just didn't play enough. Like that would be a very, very fitting <laughs> way of this. We had to default and give it to like Verlander's two starts. Yeah. But I will say this, you know, with, with the Yiner stuff and the playing time and, and all the, you know, the when is he going to play? When is he not going to play? It's gotten to a point now where like, I feel better on like the Hunter and France starts. Yeah, I'm. It's I, the, I, I, it's the longer lineup. Yeah. You look at that lineup. Whatever I see that like Myers or Pena is batting ninth, and there's no Maldi. It's like we're we're gonna score some runs. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, what was that? Oh, I don't. Yeah, we haven't recorded since that that Sunday game or the the Padres game when they put out their best lineup, right? Yes, that was. Awesome. I would watch every pitch of every Astros game without any regard for other parts of my life. So maybe it's a good thing, honestly, just uh, being, you know, 20 years old, probably should do some other things. But that lineup, I don't, I, I, I don't want to know if you if you told me that you could look into some alternate universe and tell me how many games that team would win. I would ask you not to tell me because I know that it would make me too angry. And look, like it's one game. Who knows? That is such a good lineup. I ha I actually had this debate with a few friends. Is that not 
is that lineup worse than Atlanta's? If you go hitter for hitter, I don't think not. it is. It's no. not. I mean, yeah, especially against lefties. Like, it's really not. Also, like, if you got Pena out of the two hole, the only that's yeah, the only problem. I mean, yeah, but right. I mean, if Pena's like your rightful nine hitter, like he paces well with like Orlando Arcia, like you got a bunch of top guys. The Astros probably, I mean, if you compare the Astros in Atlanta and the top six hitters on the team, maybe the Astros have four of them. Like, you oh know, yeah. So look, if you're seven, eight, nine, is Brantley Abreu Pena? You're fine. Awesome. Yeah, your lineup <laughs> is great. So it's so frustrating. And does Dusty like? There has to be something wrong. For Dusty not to just like watch that game and be like, wow, like this is fun. Scoring runs is fun. This isn't like some like debate where, oh, like scoring runs, like what that lineup does is fun, but it's not actually best for winning. It would be like in basketball, for example. You have a lineup that like splashes a lot of threes or 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 is fun, like they they pass well, but like some not good defenders, like this is not the lineup that does like right. you know, that's best for winning. The most fun lineup, because Believe it or not, this might be a hot take. Watching Martin Maldonado hit is not fun. It's not fun. I don't enjoy it. In fact, I to be fully honest, I went to the Yankees game where Jake Myers had two home runs off of uh, Rodon and a reliever, I believe, and and Maldonado homered in that game. And I missed Maldonado's homework because I was in the bathroom for that game or for for that for that part of the game. So <laughs> on brand. Like, yeah, um, so like, and like, you know, my my friends who I was with were texting me like, "You're never gonna believe this," and I was like, "I know." <laughs> but, uh, but you know what? It was, it's it's like they're back in the National League when he's in the line. Yeah, really yeah, you is. hit with a pitcher. You yeah, hit with a pitcher. Yeah. But guess what? You hit you pinch hit for the pitcher in the seventh inning, right? Unless they're oh, yeah. in a perfect game, you hit for the. So honestly, maybe you'd, you'd prefer like a Michael Lorenzen in there. Maybe that's why they should have acquired Michael Lorenzen. So you could go hit, <laughs> like seriously, because like, you're stuff. okay with that. I also I tweeted two nights ago or three nights ago now before that game. Now I, I off the record here. Oh, who cares? We'll air it. I knew Singleton was going to be in the lineup the next day, but I tweeted and I said basically, you know, tomorrow he's probably going to throw out the lineup. Yiner's going to catch Hunter. Probably be Singleton for Abreu. Myers is yeah, probably right. yeah. And you know what? They're going to score a bunch of runs. You just you knew that game they were going to score a bunch of runs. So. Um, I know, what, was I that, what was that quote though? Uh, the pit stop. Uh, I'd have to pull it up exactly. But oh, oh, the dusty quote where he said, "Yeah, like, it, it was an okay lineup. Like you don't you obviously want uh, McCormick in for Chaz. You know, right. if it's game one of the playoffs, you probably also don't want Singleton in there. But but it was like be just by taking Maldi out, you got a fine lineup. The quote was. Uh, dusty treated it. it like he was apologizing for putting the better lineup in. Yeah, he goes. Um, he goes, in this race, you have to make a pit stop sometimes. It may not be when you want it to be, but I got to do what I think is necessary. It's a pit stop for the other guys. A way to stay sharp for others because they haven't started in a while. Everybody plays here. He just over, he's just overmanaging. I mean, I Tony Adams with the, 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 the funny overmanager of the year. Uh, uh, Although I will to, say, to Dusty Baker. I do crack up a little bit whenever Dusty says everyone plays on my team. I just imagine Gray Kessinger in the corner. Yeah, poor of the guy. Room. I just like, want you know, to play him while you're at it. Yeah, I love, can I get one of Bregman's starts in this system? Yeah, but, uh, but okay, it's actually so, like I mean, Bregman, Tucker, Jordan, and Altuve play every day. Why can't Chaz? Like it's just oh, that, that simple. It's big boys. He, he already yeah, answered exactly, that for you. exactly right. Yeah, he literally honest. named them for you, Aiden. They're big yeah. boys. So okay, I, I want to just before we wrap up here, just looking ahead here briefly. Um, you know, this weekend, where is Seattle this weekend? Uh, Dodgers, I think. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, you know, who worries you more at this point? Seattle's technically, what, a, a game behind Texas now? He's in the lost column. Are you still more worried about Seattle? 
Did Texas win tonight officially? They were up four to two. Hold on. We should probably know that. Yeah. Um, let me see here. Pulling it up right now. We might get to it first because my browser's loading extremely slowly. Um, oh, they're up 9-2 in the ninth. Yeah, 9-2, middle, middle of the ninth. Okay, so um, so what? They'll be tied in the standings or? Um, yeah, I think they'll be – let me see here. Yeah, they'll be tied yeah, in the standings. They'll be half game up on Texas, half game up in the win column. The who Seattle or will be half a game up on Texas? We will be half a game up on Texas. Texas will be a full game up on Seattle, I yeah. believe. So honestly, both. I, I I mean, yeah, I could pick one. Seattle's a better team. Texas is closer. <laughs> you don't want to be in the spot. And they, they, we we talked about what the the effect of their their games are. But this is now, uh, you know, in a, you know, you could be a lot of times in baseball, right? You root for one team. You root for you know, yeah, team. Here you're just rooting against volatility, right? You're rooting against the extreme flip a coin seven times, you get six heads. You don't care if it's six heads or six tails now. You just need it to be not six heads or six tails. You need it to be like three heads, four tails, something like that. So this this is a not a fun position to be in, but at the end of the day, division odds are still north of 50. Not high enough for where, you know, they probably should be. Oakland series was uh, definitely a letdown. Need, need to win at least five against Kansas City. Like I, Lots I of what it comes I'm down to. So yeah, Royals coming up right here. Um, you know, we will... Probably try. Let's try to get one in on Monday here so we can set the table for a more challenging week. Um, but thank you for joining us tonight. And, um, you know, we'll certainly be trying to do, I think, two a week here. Um, there's only two weeks left, two and a half weeks left. Um, and hopefully, if the Astros are able to add a game here, I mean, just to end on this thought, I know we said it earlier, it's very hard to go into the last 10 days of the season when Seattle is only playing Texas and then us in the middle if you're basically in a dead heat with everybody. It's very hard to outplay the team that's going to win five, six, or all seven of those games. And it's uh, rooting for four to three there is really threading the needle. So big series this weekend. Hopefully uh, they get it done. And uh, we'll talk to you again in about 72 uh, hours. Have a good day, everybody. <laughs>